The introduction for the Jay and Keith show is currently under construction. We appreciate your patience as we strive to build a better podcast for tomorrow, today. It's a glorious Thursday. Jay and Keith with you. We're going to preview ETSU VMI. We're going to talk Southern Conference football, a few other games across the country at the FCS level, maybe mm. the FBS level, maybe uh, any level. I don't know. I don't know if there's another level. Should be. I don't know anything about D3, but you know what? If Keith throws it at me, we'll see what we can do. I'm Jay. He's Keith. We're talking uh, college football. A lot of college football. Yes, a lot of college football. Football, 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 football. Football, football, football. Did I mention football? football? Yeah, football. No, 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 no. Football. Well, football was when you football the football. Football, 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 football. So there will be a game Saturday. <laughs> a football game. Uh, yes, and I believe uh, no Hurricane Rada. Hurricane is uh, going to uh, make this bad weather. It looks like it's going to be lovely weather up in Lexington, Virginia. ETSU, VMI. Now, I've called a rain mud fest there back in 2016, which was the last time ETSU actually played on October 8th. Did not go well for ETSU, 37-7 uh, key that win. Last couple years, um, you know, really the all of the year 21, because, of course, they played in the COVID spring of 21 mm-hmm. and then in the fall, ETSU a two-game win streak. And really the main thing in both of those were turnovers in the game in Lexington in the spring. It was a timely turnover late in the game that sealed the victory for ETSU on a Tyree Robinson uh, interception. And then for uh, – the fall, it was really two early interceptions where ETSU, Jared Folks, Zion Alexander, the nickelback, able to make plays, gave the ball deep and uh, one time right around the 21-yard line, the other one around the 25-yard line, two short drives, two touchdowns. Then VMI finally got a drive going. Tyree Robinson, again, this time on a fumble in the red zone. ETSU goes down the field. It's 21 nothing. They would hang on to a 27-20 victory. Mm-hmm. Long story short, Keith, the big difference in those two games, timely turnover or turnovers in the defense opportunistic. Yes, and VMI is a team that you do have to generate some of those takeaways against um, in order to get the better of them because the one, the one constant – whether VMI is winning games, whether VMI is losing games, historically it's lost a lot of games. Relatively recently, it has won uh, more games than it traditionally has under Scott Walkenheim, of course, had a fantastic uh, spring 2021 season. Followed that up with an okay fall 2021, um, where they were maybe a little bit of a spoiler for some teams um, and, and a team that you really did have to bring your best against to win. Uh, and that, that's kind of the same deal here. Um, but also at the same time, this group has been hit by uh, some transfer portal departures. But those who have stayed are committed to the mission of the program, which is play your butt off for 60 minutes and good things will happen to you. So the foremost thing, regardless of any scheme stuff, regardless of any X's and O's stuff, is you got to go to Lexington and match the intensity of the guys that live there and put on the the red and the white and the gold for VMI. And if you don't do that, then VMI can, and honestly, probably will beat you. And Seth Morgan uh, is a, a big factor in why he's been kind of in and out of the mix at quarterback. He's been banged up a little bit this year. Um, he's been kind of inconsistent, but he has always had ETSU's number and is someone that I know 
this Buccaneer defense is going to be chomping at the bit to get the better of, prove that this guy is someone that is not just going to consistently be a buck killer for the rest of his career in, in Lexington. I think that's the, the one thing. You look at Seth Morgan's numbers. He's 66 of 90 in the two games against ETSU. 73% completion percentage, 570-plus yards. Um, no touchdown passes. Does have a touchdown run in each of the two games. Mm-hmm. He's been clinical. He's had two picks. Uh, one obviously late that cost the team, one early that gave up some points, but he clearly bounced back in the fall, led a, uh, a feverish comeback that actually VMI chance at an onside kick late in the game. ETSU recovered, able to run out the clock, pick up the victory. But still, Seth Morgan has had a very good two games against ETSU. He'll get the start in his third consecutive game against the Bucks. A little hampered, the portal giveth and taketh away, but for VMI, we talked about it on Wednesday, really, a little bit on Monday. But for the most part, they don't have a grad school. So you get these COVID year guys that wouldn't really be playing uh, a fifth year given this extra year of college football. And a lot of those guys are taking that extra year. We're not going to do another undergraduate degree. We don't want to wear the uniform anymore. So VMI, who in another world would have had uh, maybe an opportunity like the Citadel to take graduates, maybe have them live off campus. Maybe that would be more appealing. You know, fight with your brothers one more year. I think it's really cost him, and it's cost him in a playmaker ability because Jacob Harris and Michael Jackson were great uh, wide receivers. And I think now Corey Britty has struggled in the run game for the simple reason that the fact those big play wide receivers aren't out there. Now, Chance Knox is certainly capable. I think Leroy Thomas was a guy I'm expecting uh, more of, and Leroy certainly could step up in a game like Saturday against ETSU or further down the road. But Chance Knox leads team reception. Thomas is right there at number two. They are formidable. They're able to get there. VMI's big issue has been turnovers. Um, no matter what quarterback's been in there, no matter what receiver, what running back, they've just had a hard time hanging on to the football, mm-hmm. and that might be a bad recipe to face Billy Taylor's defense this week. Yeah, I mean, if you are going to cough up the football a lot, and VMI has coughed up the football, I think it's is it seven fumbles so far this year, uh, and I believe they've lost six of them. So it hasn't gone really well in terms of ball security so far this year for the key debts. You need that to change, and you need it to change uh, quite dramatically. So um, this is going to be a, a challenging day for VMI. They, they are going to be challenged to say, we can hang on to the football. Not just, hey, we can compete with anybody, but we can do it and minimize our mistakes, and that's going to make it harder for you to come into our building and beat us. Yeah, I think that that's really the key for VMI. Now, they haven't changed a lot. I thought it would have changed a little bit offensively maybe just because of some of the stuff, but watching the last couple games, it's high tempo still. It's the air raid still. They they can hit some big plays. They've struggled to pass protect, and I, I chalk that up to, again, two offensive linemen that would have started, would have been in the starting rotation, not there. Um Colin Ironside, who played a majority of the Western game, has played in some other games, really had a hard time just either recognizing the blitz, when to get rid of the ball, forced a couple throws against West Carolina, fumbled a couple of times, I think three times, recovered uh, one of them back, uh, lost the other couple, and really uh, hampered his team's chances in that particular game against Mm -hmm. Western Carolina. Now the Red Swarm defense, which will transition in just a second, still want to stick on offense, you know, when they get things cooking, and there are times, especially, I guess it was the Cornell game, they're down 28-2. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and was able to have 24th quarter points. And if there was more time left in the game, yeah. I would argue they had a great opportunity yeah. uh, to score one more touchdown and maybe go because they got things really cooking. And Cornell had zero answer for them. Mm-hmm. But they're having the same struggles, and this is going to sound familiar if you're an ETSU fan. On third down, they're 17 of 59, 29%. Ouch! That's brutal. And that, yeah, that's not good. Two of the worst teams on third down are going to be in this game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So maybe on the offense, the money down on offense, who wins that and keeps drives alive certainly would have a advantage because both teams have great field goal kickers when you get in range. Yeah, at VMI probably has the better – punter on paper i feel like that's something i mean vmi had all conference specialists their their uh, punt battery their kickoff bat or their uh, field goal battery those units were um all conference at the beginning of the year so those would maybe lend themselves a little bit to the game i mean if this game, if this game current turns into a field position game that it's going to come down to who can run the ball better of uh, shocker uh it's going to come down to um, who can generate sudden change plays to set your offense up with short fields, and then maybe you only get six or seven yards, and then you put it in the hands of some capable field goal kickers. You know, Tyler Keltner, really good. He's really good. I mean, he was asked to kick from, what was it, 56 last week against Chattanooga, and that's a lot for a college kicker. It's a lot for any kicker at any level to kick from 56. That's really challenging. But when he was called upon at, at medium range, he was able to hit consistently. Well, he uh, hit a field goal before the false start, too. Yeah, he did. So he actually yeah. had a long 50-plus uh, yard field goal go in, or 49, whatever it was, go in before yeah. the penalty that backed him up. And VMI has a kicker that's hit from uh, everywhere inside 48 yards this year. I think his long for the year is 42. He was asked to hit from 48 against Wake Forest. Uh, so that these are kickers that are competent college kickers. <laughs> that's I understand for a lot of people, that's an oxymoron. But these are competent college kickers. And if you put the game in their hands, that's going to be a a very important dynamic to watch is how well the snap is executed. Is the holder locked in? Um, And those those sorts of, of special teams miscues, like we saw from Chattanooga last week, could cost one of these two teams the football game on Saturday. Uh, Yeah, I I mean, I I think there's – Several things. I think third down converge. If I had to pick uh, four things, you know, if, you know, I don't know that we're uh, you know first down, doing first, you know, second, but if I had down. to pick them, if I had to pick them right this second without talking to Keith about it, third down conversion would be my first down, which is odd. I should have saved yeah. it for third down, but I, I didn't think about this. I think that's number one. I think two. Who cannot turn the ball over? Special teams. You know, off, offensively, who cannot, you know, turn it over? It doesn't matter where. You know, sometimes like, ah, oh, it's a good turn if you throw a 50-yard pass and they intercept an end zone and been a punt anyway. Arm punt, yeah. I get that. Still, don't turn over the football, mm-hmm. right? Convert third down, don't turn over the football. Who can protect their quarterback? Both teams are going to bring pressure. Mm-hmm. Both teams know the offensive lines have had some issues this year protecting the quarterback. So who can handle the pressure? Who's not going to panic? And I think the fourth thing is FEMA is not necessarily control the clock type team, but control the ball, you you know, kind of on their pace, their terms, you know, can they mix in that run? Can they throw the pass for ETSU? It's the opposite. It's, 
it is run the ball. It mm-hmm. is keep the clock going. It is do some of that. But those would be just off the top of my head if I had to narrow down a four-down segment. Those would be the four keys that I think are very important to the game. Am I missing something? My fourth down would be that you need to get a bandage for your thumb. You just uh, paper st- I saw you looking at it. Don't worry like, about is that. that is, listen, God, that's listen, blood. Listen, that's blood, I buddy. am bleeding. And you know what? You made fun of me for going to the bathroom yesterday. So you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to stop the podcast <laughs> to go find a Band-Aid. I got a paper towel and some scotch tape. You wrap it up. You play football. This is football. You play football. Football, football, football. Football, football, football. Football. No, I, I think you got everything. I think you encompassed everything. Uh, I would say I am very intrigued to see how Seth Morgan handles Billy Taylor's different pressure packages. And also, you know, injuries could play a factor. Who's able to go? You know, we saw some guys come off the field for the box last week. Um, you know, I or, just, or not play Mike Price. Or, or not play Mike Price's case. Steven Scott had to come off the field in the second half, uh, didn't come back on. Uh, there are some players that um, if ETSU is missing or maybe VMI is missing, like if they don't have Stone Snyder for some reason, then suddenly you're thinking, okay, uh, maybe the middle of the field is open to us. Maybe there are some different things that we could do. Maybe there's a guy that is responsible for getting the team in the right alignment that's not out there and is not able to have the same kind of impact. That could open some things up in a variety of ways. Maybe somebody blitzes through the wrong gap and runs right into a guard that's already, you know, drawn somebody that can basically take on two assignments like, oh, look what I found. Uh, and that buys the quarterback time to get the ball out into space behind the blitzer. And that creates a chunk play where there probably shouldn't have been one in the design of the defense. So there can be a lot of different opportunities to take advantage of personnel mismatches and um, depth. Um, or problems with depth, um, lack of depth is also a, a, a depth talking point, I would say. I think that's fair. Um, o- overall, though, it's going to come down to which quarterback can handle pressure better and which team executes pressure better. So those there's two mirror elements of that, two foils uh, of that. So, um, yeah, I, I, that's what I'm looking at. That's what I'm looking at the quarterback. I'm looking at Seth Morgan. Particularly, I think about Morgan and the way that he has been able at times to escape the pocket, extend plays with his legs, and he takes some chances with the ball down the field, right? But those also can pay big dividends. Those those chances, you don't win games without taking risks. It's like I said last week, or maybe earlier this week, Miss Frizzle, Magic School Bus. Take chances, make mistakes, get messy. Sometimes you're going to throw a pick down the field. Sometimes you're going to hit a receiver in a one-on-one with a 50-50 ball. The receiver's going to go up, win that ball, and you're going to get 45, 50 yards out of it and flip the field, and suddenly you you are in a position to score points that maybe you wouldn't have been in had your quarterback said, discretion's a better part of valor. I'm going to take this check down to my running back. Now, the one thing VMI, I think, has changed from last year, again, layman watching tape and, and Coach Corral's, you know, kind of confirmed a little bit they're not putting their dbs so much on an island zero coverage and Mm -hmm. blitzing they are playing a lot of zone and make you check down and so the question will be you know those underneath throws with the blitz and the red storm and the 335 stack and everything they try to do to get stone snotter on you quickly how does etsu handle that and can they take the smaller throws as opposed to last few years when going back and cutting up last year's highlights are about three or four long throws to will huzzy um, I'm, I'm going to run a couple of them on the pregame, but I, I could have ran more. Well, you can see Jacob Sailors, you know, release out of the backfield and say, okay, we're going to put Sailors in the flat, or we're going to put Sailors at the at the hash marks and let the quarterback dump it off to him and put the ball in the hands of our best football player 
and let him go make a play. We want players to make plays, right? George Quarles said it in his press conference. Um, Adam Neugebauer said it when we talked to him earlier today. Is like, we need guys to go out there and make big-time plays. Get the ball in the hands of your playmakers as much as you possibly can. Seems like a great opportunity to get Sailors more involved in the pass game. Uh, an opportunity maybe to get Bryson Irby involved on some some stuff as a, as a, a change of pace guy to what Sailors brings to the table. I think this group has countermeasures for VMI if they're going to play zone over the top of blitz packages. And those those tend to involve running backs, which are where ETSU happens to have two really, really good football players. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, they, they have a plethora because even if mm-hmm. – um, Trey Foster and go gives you a third. I think a Martindi's the next guy in line. Yeah, I think and, it, and even use use your slot receivers. Find the seams in the zone and, and take advantage of that on some quick hitters. I think there are ways to keep the ball moving downfield. And even if you're only getting you know six or seven yards uh, or five or six yards a play, I mean seven yards a play is a lot. But if you're getting five or six yards a play and you're doing it consistently and you're keeping tempo, you can lean on the other team a little bit and make them scramble and and maybe they're not in the right alignment because they're trying to sub in and out so fast just to make sure that they're getting the right personnel on the field and uh, if you create you can create mismatches that way. Uh, but it's all it all comes down to being able to roll down the field if you're going to have to take what's underneath. And I think there are a lot of opportunities for ETSU to go to work. I think Adam Nugabauer is going to be excited about this particular matchup and what it affords him in terms of X's and O's flexibility. Just be curious because, as I mentioned, VMI and ETSU, the bottom two teams in third down conversion, what's ironic about Mm -hmm. that is if you flip it, ETSU is first in opponent's third down conversion. VMI is last in third down opponent's conversion. So they're last, they're next to last on offense, last on defense. That's certainly not a good combination. Mm-mm. ETSU has the distinction of being last on offense and first on defense. I don't know that you'll find that anywhere in the country if you just randomly go to every uh, third down It'd offense defense. It would be tough yeah. to find that. So that's going to be one. The other thing is VMI, as I mentioned, turnover, they're, they're minus five ETSU with a plus three last game, um, now plus two for the year. Mm. So they're plus two. There's, a, you know, VMI's minus five. They've, they've struggled in that area. That goes back that to the area. fumbles that we talked about, yeah. yeah. You know, they forced five turnovers. They've given up ten. Um, when you Boom. when you look at it overall, so Boom. very tough to win football games when you're doing that. Um, That's ten turnovers in four games or five? Uh, five, five games. Five games. No, four. They've only played four. That's right. Oh my lord. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Ouch. Four. And ETSU's played five. VMI's the only team that is only uh, that is a game behind. Everybody else in the league mm-hmm. has played five games. So mm-hmm. that being said, you can easily look at that. Um, Again, because there's some other things you can look at. Total defense, at least VMI is consistent. They're sixth in total defense, sixth against the pass, and you're going to be shocked. They're sixth against the rush, uh, where ETSU very good defensively, uh, still uh, tops in the league in a couple of those categories. So, again, I think third downs, turnovers, I mean, a lot of times football comes down to that. Who can run the ball? It's kind of a blase breakdown, but to be honest with you, I think, you know, it's too. just think about this in the spring, this game, when ETSU won it, they pretty much thought they were going to win the championship until they lost at Mercer, mm-hmm. which then flung back in VMI to win it. So they were spring playing for a championship. Now you fast forward, you know, uh, four, 16, 18 months later, mm-hmm. and these two teams are fighting for the first conference win. And for ETSU, it's 0-3. It's a must-win if must-wins ever existed. Yes. Uh, and not for playoffs or anything. I'm just talking about just must – just need to win. Yeah, <laughs> Like exactly. just flat-out need exactly. to win. So uh, – 
You got anything else on a game, guy? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Dude, uh, no. I guess not. Breakdown. I'm going to get it in a second. I'm going to get it. You find it? I'm going to find it. You I mean, find There it is. I got it. There's my music badge. Sure. You know, it's my first time running the board. First time today. I just want to hit all the buttons so I can hear all the buttons. I would start to talk and the gallery would start laughing. I would always always forget. Here he comes back. Like six months ago, I realized. Although you're not a fan of the finish. All right, Southern Conference football, and I'm going to start with games that I don't care about and then move to games I do care about. Samford and Wofford. Samford leads all time series 14 to 5. Samford offensively, um, not what they have been, but defensively, they're so much leaps and bounds better. Got yeah, the benefit yeah, yeah. of, and I didn't talk about it on Wednesday, but what I was told was the reason there was the controversy on the Furman Samford was that oh, yeah. one of the officials had, one of the side or line judges had said basically forward progress had been stopped. So they should not have gone to review. So the referee blew it dead for forward progress, or was in the in the process of blowing it dead for forward progress. Yes, in which at that time, looking at the replay, watching the official's hands go up and him try to blow the whistle, nobody had the ball yet. Uh, that being said, it's basically treated like an inadvertent whistle forward progress. They should not have gone to a replay. Then when they went to the replay, oh, yeah, it's definitely an interception. Then, of course, Chris Hatcher, because it happened on his sideline, says, you said forward progress, you can't review that. So then they had to meet again to come up and talk to the review booth, and the review booth said, well, if he had forward progress stuff, yes, we can't review that. So then they, the blunder is even more so. Like if they would have just said, hey, forward progress, we can't review it, and never went to a review. It would have been less of a controversy. It would, yeah. it would have been tough to swallow, but talking to – a few folks I know down at Furman, they said basically it wasn't that they didn't get the ball, and that was huge because it led – but it was a 15-minute – 14 minutes and some change. I went and timed it. 14 minutes and some change of actual real time Hot for all that to go down. So that being said, uh, Sanford is going to beat Wofford. I really don't have – I mean, uh, you know, I hope – Sanford should should torch Wofford. I, I, I hope Conklin gives them a game, uh, but he complains about transfers. But, I mean, Sanford's probably going to roll in that one. Furman at the Citadel. Uh, I mean, every coach is complaining about transfers. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Furman, Citadel, one of the longest standing rivalries, though. How about this? 61-37-3 all-time Furman against the Citadel. That's a lot of games. I don't know. What, one more time? So, it, it's a 102nd meeting. 61-37-3. Yeah. Furman leads the That's Citadel. That's a lopsided series to be going on that long. Yep. So Furman will be down at the Citadel. Citadel is tougher at home mm-hmm. than they are on the road. Mm-hmm. Furman's a little mad from last game. Jace Wilson, I don't know if he's going to play, if it's going to be Huff, but Wilson has been pretty productive uh, as the starter for the Furman Paladins. So right now, Furman, the luxury of two. Plus, I saw Furman starter from a few years ago, Devin Granger, who I forgot was um, – transferred to Georgia State because I finally went mm-hmm. back and watched the Georgia State Army game uh, because ah. I, I'm that guy that watches every Army game, but I just had not after losing well, you the are an guy, Army guy, so it makes sense. Yeah, I watch every, one, every snap of all of those. But, um, yeah, seeing him and, like, it was like two possessions before I finally realized who it was because I kept hearing the name. I'm thinking – or Granger, Granger. I think I said Gardner, Granger. But, Granger. Um, 
Yes, but it was one of those about the third possession. I'm like, that's the kid from Furman. It just dawned on me. Mm-hmm. So that being said, <laughs> uh, I think Furman's going to beat Citadel. I don't have a lot on, on this one. Now, here's a big one. Western Carolina at Mercer. Mercer doesn't make mistakes. Western Carolina offensively again against VMI right before the first half. They go down the field, turnover on downs. VMI immediately turns it over with a minute something to go in the half. Yeah. Or like 40 seconds or 30 seconds, something crazy. And so West Carolina gets down. And here's what I'm confused about. Eight seconds to go in the half. Mm-hmm. Western Carolina fakes a field goal, which I'm fine with. Except they threw a four-yard pass from the 25-yard line. Uh, but they got out of bounds with two seconds and still get a field goal attempt off. And miss it. And miss it. It was the most confusing. If you're going to fake a field goal, and they have McCollum, the, the, the kicker, throw it, but the give credit to VMI because they had the deep route double covered. But, yeah. I mean, so give him credit. So he went to the check down. <laughs> Good for the kicker. Goes to the check down. I'm amazed they ran a fake field goal with eight seconds and still had a chance to score and then still missed the field goal. I've watched that. I've watched that like that's five the, times. That's the I've watched kicker. it five times. That's the piece de resistance is that they missed it. If any they went, podcast, they ran the fake. Yeah. If any podcast ever tells you they watch more Southern Conference football, than me, I will fight them. It's impossible to watch and pick up on crap like that. But me, you maybe I believe it, but not yet. You'll get there. I'll get there. I'll get there. Um, that is the kind of thing that's going to cost Western Carolina a football game against Mercer. Like I said, Mercer doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. Yes, Western Carolina can be explosive. But Mercer is also, I would even say, probably slightly ahead of Georgia Tech in terms of the best defense that uh, Western has faced all year. I mean, Georgia Tech, uh, that that whole experiment has kind of run its course. But um, well, you know, they got an interim coach and won a game, so maybe they've turned a corner. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize that they had let uh, uh, Jeff Collins go already. Uh, yes, and Todd Stansberry, who was the AD that hired me here at ETSU um, a few, uh, what was that, twenty-one years ago? Yeah. And he was let go too. Uh huh. And I don't know if no, I don't know if Todd knows this, but uh, I don't think Sanders going to be around for a couple more years. So if Todd wants to come on home, it'd be great. <laughs> That's my pitch. Somebody send that to uh, uh, Todd Sansbury. <clears throat> okay, uh, I will not do that. Uh, but <laughs> you know, I, I think Mercer is probably the best, certainly best coached and most organized defense that they faced all year. And you can't do those sorts of things like you can't goof off with field goals and fakes and all this I mean, if you're going to run a fake field goal with 8 seconds left just keep your offense on the field run one play see if you get some yards see what what happens and maybe you still kick a field goal anyway with 3 seconds left I just that that's the kind of stuff that could cost them that football game and probably will Honestly, they're, they're going to do something with a field goal, with a, with a go-kick decision that is going to cost them the football game. So they've struggled a little bit in the red zone, Western Carolina. They have had no, I mean, Because it's tougher zero, to spread teams out. Yeah. Zero problem going from like the 20 to 20. Mm-hmm. I mean, they look great. They're innovative. Carwin Bell's got a lot of concepts that's, that's fun to watch uh, on tape. Agreed. The, I like watching the, them. Yeah. Defensively, they are getting better um, as well. They were able to get to the quarterback with just four guys against VMI. That helps. Mercer, though, the defense for Western, I think the issue is going to be because of all the little trickeration and the 
the window dressing, as I call it, that they try to do. If Western can stay at home, not give up the big play on the back end, and if Western can get in the end zone, I think this game is going to be highly entertaining. Now, if Western turns it over two or three times, we know Mercer does it. Now, if Mercer clearly starts turning it over out of the blue, you know, you could probably say all bets are off and, and Western Carolina's got, got a great shot. But because Mercer doesn't make too many mistakes, you know, it's going to be up to Western. Can Western not make mistakes, not hurt themselves? Carlos Davis, a couple of interceptions with the four-touchdown day that he had. But, again, a couple of turnovers he had. VMI dropped eight, and he, he just gets <sighs> – he tries to force it. And I'm like, you know, there's there's eight guys back. He's rolling to his left. He throws across his body, back across the middle of the field. Keith, I think you know that's disaster for anything. That's a, that's, that's a Jameis Winston special right there is what that is. Quarterbacking 101, don't do that. So he, he ended up doing that. And that, is, that is a Jameis in Tampa special, yeah. So I, I think if Carlos Davis doesn't turn it over with, with passes like that, mm-hmm. And they can convert in the red zone, which they they have field goals mm-hmm. against them. Really, TSU they've plenty of field goals. Great field goal kicker. I know I, I'm poking because he missed one, but I also broke I think 19 in a row he had made. Yeah. So I ripped my comb. So uh, you know, and he came back and made another one after that. So so he's fine. They're they're gonna they'll get points on the board. They get inside the 35 or more. I think he's proven that. I think they'll be able to get points. Problem mm-hmm. is they need touchdowns, and they need to see. You know, can they stop the big play of Mercer? Because that's where I think Mercer can get Western Carolina. Can Western Carolina bend but don't break, don't get hit over the top with yeah. the window dressing or lose the the third inside counter play or whatever they're going to throw at him from the wing tee? I think this game could be highly entertaining. And honestly, I, I think it's not even close. I think it's the game of the week because I, I, I don't mm-hmm. know Citadel's going to hang with Furman. I definitely don't think Wofford's going to hang with Sanford on the road. Agreed. I'm trying to take the goggles of ETSU VMI off. So other than that, I think, you know, this one's going to be the game. If you had to watch something at 4 p.m. after ETSU hopefully is done, at, you know, at, at around 4 p.m., then I, that would be the game I would click on. No doubt. I think Mercer Wofford is going to be – or not Mercer Wofford. Mercer Wofford was last week, and that was a blowout. Um, Mercer Western will be the game in the SOCON this week to watch. If you are a neutral – if you are someone from our great new partners at FCS Fans Nation, for instance. Thanks to Matt Frazee and the crew, by the way, for uh, uh, letting us be part of the FCS Fans Nation podcast network. They're great folks. Um, if you're one of those, maybe you're from Big Sky Country. Maybe you're a fight-on Montana person or you're a Tubbs at the Pub. Or is it Tubbs at the Pub or Tubbs at the Club? I don't remember. The Idaho podcast that's really entertaining. Um, maybe you're one of those. You're the listener to one of those. If you are not somebody that checks out SoCon football, I think you're going to want to watch Mercer and Western Carolina. You're going to see the two-ish identities that permeate most of the conference in that matchup between Mercer and Western, and it should be a lot of fun. I don't pay you to beatbox, I hope. Oof. I like the effort. I like that beat, too.
Uh, I like that beat before the effort. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have a new segment. Uh, I guess we need to probably yes. download some of the better um, uh, pick interception six. calls. Yeah, I yeah. was looking for one. Um, I was looking for a few. So my fa- my morning. favorite call of myself because you know I love to talk about myself was the one that actually didn't count against Vanderbilt. And I'm still upset. I'm still oh. I've still gone back and watched the, the the tape and they said it was on Tyree. I don't know what Tyree. But my uh, my fiance. Uh, Hopefully she threw something at a TV. She was well. We we didn't throw anything at the TV. The TV was a Christmas gift. But um, <laughs> it's like we're not we're not we're not we're not squandering that goodwill right there, buddy. Uh, she didn't even she doesn't even know that much about football yet. One time during a game at North Dakota State, she texted me and said, "What do they mean by downs?" Uh, she's still learning. You know, she's still learning. She wants to learn. She's enthusiastic, but she's still learning. Uh, as she said, uh, she, even she got mad at that penalty. She thought that was preposterous. So I'm right there with you. That one is that one's a good one. We could probably use it anyway. And now that we've told people, they'll know the difference. But maybe nobody will know the difference. Yes, I, I, and I think it's it's. Far, I mean, diehards are going to know when when Karan Delintz mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, I think when I broke out the uh, Southern Conference indoor track champion in the middle of the call, I think people knew where I was going with that because there was no yard lines given. That was the other thing. It was picked off, and then I said Karan DeLint, and I'm giving his track uh, resume. And then I yell, good night, before I realize there's a flag. <laughs> it ended up still being good night because that pretty oh, much was the nail in the coffin. Oh, that being man. said, we got six games to talk about. Yes, it's the pick six. Uh, okay. I don't have a button. I was going to hit a button. Yeah, I know. I was going to give you something, and I just... That's that, not... That no. So that, that means it's fine. My favorite one will always... Todd Graffinini is now the play-by-play voice of the New Orleans Pelicans, but he was the Tulane Green Wave guy for a long time, and um, he would always... Every pick six, he would go, house call, house call, house call! And I've, that's that one was always a favorite of mine. That's not bad. It's, it's better when he does it. He does it better than I do. Yeah, it's tough to – I've tried to uh, – mm-hmm. I know uh, other broadcasters say, hey, if you hear something, you should write it down, maybe try and incorporate it. You can mm-hmm. use it. I've not been good at trying other people's stuff. No, do not try other people's stuff. Come up with your own thing. Come up with your own thing. Um, 50-yard line. This okay. is where we start to pick six. We're going to start with some FBS football. Okay. Utah-UCLA, 330 kick, I believe, mm-hmm. from the Rose Bowl – out in Pasadena, California, Utah and UCLA, uh, the Utes, I believe, are they're uh, where are they? They're ranked, right? And UCLA is also ranked. So this is I, I don't yes, know 11, the last time 11, that happened. Eleven at the same for time. Utah, eighteen for the Bruins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Utah, of course, has that loss at Florida, but otherwise been pretty strong. Certainly, Pac-12 play gotten off to a decent start. Um, what what are we thinking here? What are we thinking? I don't know a ton about these teams. This is just kind of to, it's like, this is a game that we need to have some sort of perspective on. And I feel like this is an opportunity for us to learn. We're broadening our own horizons. Well, uh, one of my favorite players, because he has one of the longest names of all time, Dorian Thompson Robinson. Yeah. Old DTR, as I've just nicknamed him. I don't think anybody's ever said that Dieter. in life. But old, uh, Dieter old is a German name. You can just shorten it like DTR. It's D-I-E-T-E-R in German, but you can just call him Dieter. Well, he's completing 74% of his <laughs> passes at 1,200-yard clip, and I watched the Washington game because I thought for sure – after what Washington had done to a few teams, that they were going to steamroll Chip Kelly, who I'm not a fan of because my 
old college roommate is an Oregon Duck fan and has mm-hmm. chipped this, chipped that. So he's made me hate his guts, even though Chip said nothing to me. And Chip, I'm sure he's a fine, lovely man. But that being said, um, I would love, love to go with the Utes here just because I like mm-hmm. Whittingham and everything that he's done. But I'm going to go UCLA, Chip Kelly at home. I don't know, man. I still think that loss at Florida was just kind of fluky for Utah. I think they are the better defensive team, and that defense is going to be able to contain UCLA's offense, and the Utes are going to sneak out of there with a win in a tight game. 40-yard line. Uh, Florida State at NC State. Both of these teams coming off of very entertaining games that they came out on the wrong end of. Florida State dropping one to Wake Forest. NC State losing to Clemson. Uh, NC State is ranked. Florida State is not uh, as they come into this matchup at 8 o'clock on ACC Network. NC State number 14 in the AP Top 25. Both teams 4-1. and one. Seminoles already have two wins in the ACC this year. Yeah, and you look... and, and- NC State had to escape. You remember the East Carolina opening day, or maybe you don't, but the the field goal. Yes, yeah. and I vividly remember uh, how Florida State beat LSU. Yes, they missed extra point. With the missed and, extra uh, point. Yeah. Yeah. So you've, both of those have that, NC State. You know, win against Texas Tech of the Big 12. Mm-hmm. They beat UConn, who UConn finally figured out how to win a game last week, which was yeah, shocking. Yeah, Fresno State, good for the Huskies. Uh, huge win, Jim Moore Jr., all that good fun stuff. And then, of course, the loss at Clemson. You look at Florida State, and I thought last week was going to be a kind of coming out party. Uh, for Florida State to beat Wake. And how many times can you say Florida State at home beating Wake Forest would be a coming-out party for they, they, they're back? Mm-hmm. I mean, that sentence just doesn't make sense. That being said, I'm going with the road dogs, the Florida State, as I, when I went to Florida and uh, did the one year at mm-hmm. uh, UF. Yep. The, uh, I learned that they are not the Florida State uh, Seminoles. They are the Florida State Criminals. Oh, and the Miami Cocaines, not the Hurricanes. I am not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. I am also going to take Florida State because I got to rep my guy, Jeff Colhane. I didn't even think about that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, former play-by-play guy for North Dakota State, for those who Correct. didn't know. Correct. Uh, yes. Did not know that, but uh, there uh, you go. Jeff is, Jeff is phenomenal, and uh, he's going to call a win. Oh, I like it. All right. Yeah. Where are we at now? 30-yard line. All right, who Getting in a little FCS action. Eastern Washington at Mm. Weber State in Big Sky play. Another late night game, some evening games for your viewing pleasure. Eight o'clock on ESPN Plus. The Eagles are one and three. Wildcats four and oh seem to have the quarterback situation figured out with Bronson Barron. Eagles trying to get something going. Uh, They've already played two FBS teams and Montana State. So how much of a gauge do we really have of the Eagles, Jay Sandoz? Uh, I think because of the brutal schedule, I'm not going to go Eastern Washington, even if they were competitive, because they open up ten- Tennessee State at home. They lose Won it, that game, yeah. lose at Oregon. Then they're at home to Montana State, and then back-to-back weeks are going to go to Florida and had to play on Sunday because of the hurricane, didn't mm-hmm. play on Saturday. So a less day to prepare. Then they're going to go to Weber State. Yep. And that's that, that long of a trip for them, but you go cross-country back, it's short, it's th- there's a lot of things going in there, and Weber State has looked really good uh, in the two games that I have clicked on just to watch, um, sparingly, not that I've watched every mm-hmm. snap, but they have looked really good. It's tough to say because of what you've said. They've played a perennial top five FCS team in Montana State, or at least last couple of years they've been up there, and then you play a Pac-12 and an SEC team. I mean, I, it's just – you know, Tennessee State, they barely escaped. I would like to have seen that score maybe a little more. So, all yeah. that being said, put Weber a pin State. in Tennessee State. Weber by the way. State. Put a Weber pin in Tennessee State. State. 
Um, I don't know. I, my question hinges on the quarterback situation for both teams. We wondered what Gunnar Talkington would do as the successor to Eric Berrier. That was always the question mark with Eastern Washington is what's this guy going to be like taking over for one of the best all round, just, just flat out ballers at quarterback in FCS football. And I think the answer is he's been okay. He hasn't been able to maybe extend plays with his legs the same way. He has taken a lot of sacks. He's taken eight sacks so far this year for minus 65 yards. That does hurt your football team, but he's been competent uh, throwing the ball north of 60% completion, right around seven yards a pass, 11 to three touchdown interception ratio. I also wonder how well Eastern Washington holds up in the lines after a couple of back and forth, like you talk about cross country trips, physical football games. Weber's another team that prides itself on playing hard in the trenches, especially the Weber State defensive line, and the question with Weber has always been, when will they find a quarterback? They've had lots of other good players come through there. They've had some great defensive ends. They've had some great running backs. They have one right now in Jordan Davis, who's been there for umpteen years. Bronson Barron maybe is the guy that Jake Constantine was not when he was the starter at Weber State and was not going to be the guy to get it done. Like, you just knew. Make Constantine beat you, and you had a really good chance to win football games. Now I feel like that opening against the Wildcats has been closed. I'm a big fan of both of these coaches. Aaron Best is a fantastic quote. Jay Hill is really, really good at building a really strong football team. They're both entertaining. They're both thoughtful personalities. They love the game. Um, this is going to be a fun one. I think it's going to be closer than people expect. I think Weber might have to score more points than people expect to win this football game, but I'm taking the Wildcats. 20-yard line, college game day. Do you know where college game day is this week, Jason? I do not. They are in the beautiful, pastoral, idyllic Norman Rockwell setting of Lawrence, Kansas. The Jayhawks mm. playing host to the TCU Horn Frogs. I actually I did know that I forgot and uh, Kansas is the surprise when they were talking about the four and O Dukies and the four and O Kansas I had to make sure they were talking football right it's one of those <laughs> things you weren't you weren't sure about but I had to make sure that that's uh, that's what they were talking about but I, the Kansas has been by far I think the the best story yep. of the season and TCU is always kind of that. You expect them to be more in the Big 12, mm -hmm. and sometimes they win a few, but then they always seem to disappoint. Yeah. So that being said, I'm going Jayhawks. Rock, chalk, I'm going Jayhawks. Jayhawk. All right. So after seeing some of the games that TCU has played this year and seeing some of the opponents that TCU has played this year, I think we ask a question, how good are some of these teams they've beaten? Colorado just fired Carl, Carl Durrell. We knew they weren't good. Tarleton, uh, it's a program that's on the rise, but it's not a program that you look at and say, uh, well, if you beat them 59-17, you make a statement to the rest of the country. SMU, been a scrappy game. Uh, former team for Sunny Dykes, I believe. So that's a that's a that's um, an interesting matchup. Certainly there's a lot of passion there, a lot going on. 
Um, didn't exactly pull away from a team that's not all that good. And then you pasted Oklahoma. And normally, in a given year, that would be like, oh, wow, they just beat the brakes off Oklahoma. Oklahoma just lost to Kansas State the week before and let the same team beat them twice. And they haven't beaten anybody of repute yet. And they've got a big game coming up this week against Texas. I don't know how good TCU is. But I also think that TCU is probably the best team that Kansas has faced this year. I love Lance Leopold. I think there's going to be a lot of buzz. There's a lot of speculation that he might leave for another job, which is going to be just exhausting by the time we get to the end of the season. I think this is where the hype catches up with Kansas. Give me the Horn Frogs. One more to go. Uh, two more to go. Two more like to go. Ten, it's the pick six. Well, whatever. Jay. Whatever. Who we got? Uh, I'm putting in my TCU pick. How about another FCS game? Delaware. Uh, I've been waiting. And William and Mary. You've been chomping at the bit for this one. This is a big one in the CAA. Well, and it is because I've been very confused by Elon, who I thought last week they would have come off their high of beating William and Mary on the road, and then they only beat Richmond for the second year in a row. Mm -hmm. So I got more questions about Elon that they are answering and trying to shut me up. But William and Mary, obviously they opened up with a big win at mm-hmm. at um, Charlotte. I watched a little bit of that game. Then they beat Campbell, which I'd watch because Campbell just beaten Citadel week before. Yeah. Did not watch any of Lafayette. Um, just paid attention to the score at Elon. And, of course, they beat and probably should beat Stony Brook. So, mm, yes, Stony Brook not good this year. You look at Delaware, and they open up with a big win against Navy. So they're that's a nice that's a nice feather in the cap for sure. They shake off the bugaboo of of tight games at Rhode Island. They go blow out Rhodey. Um, they blow out Towson. They've done Glad good. Work. Hampton beat, beat Hampton pretty good. So the the, the Cardi party is in full swing in Newark. So this is a a good on good that I think after week one you thought would be a collision course. Now Elon threw a monkey wrench into that, but I would have said after they beat Charlotte. Uh, William and Mary, and then of course after Delaware beat Navy, I was like, these teams are going to be five and zero. They're going to roll into one another. It's going to be potentially, depending on what Rhode Island does, this could be the league championship. I know Richmond's kind of hanging around, but still, I would have said those are the two teams. Just judging off week one, which I know you can't do, mm-hmm. that had me really excited. Then Elon with a win. The one thing for William and Mary, and I, you know, I think they've done some tremendous things this year. Name recognition and tradition, I think, still is a thing. And Delaware has traditionally had William and Mary's number. Mm-hmm. And I think that factors into it, especially if Delaware can get on the board early, which I think they will. And so I think the Blue Hens will win a field goal game mm. against William and Mary. There's a first time for everything. The tribe went out. They went William and Mary. The College of William and Mary, they went out and they got Mike London. Mike London had been the head coach at Virginia. He'd been the head coach at Richmond. He had been successful at Richmond uh, as well. Uh, He won a national championship in his first year as a head coach, as the head coach of the Richmond Spiders. And he had success at Howard and in his two years there. And you thought, okay, maybe this Howard group is a little bit, they're a little bit of a sleeping giant. Well, William and Mary went out, they took a big swing. They went out and got a coach that was established in the region that had recruiting relationships in the region. He is to William and Mary in many respects, what Randy Sanders was to ETSU. He's a guy that's established in the area. He's a known entity. He's not from here. He's from New York originally, but 
He is someone who is well-known and well-recognized in the, in the Commonwealth of Virginia. They did that for a reason. We are seeing that reason with some of the players that they have been able to recruit over the last couple of years to build toward this. Last season, they went 6-5. and five, Felt like, okay, there's some there's some potential in here. Now we're seeing what Darius Wilson can do at quarterback. He hasn't thrown a ton of touchdowns. He hasn't had to. They had a really strong run game. He's still been able to move the ball in chunks. I think they've got athletes all over the field. I am going for the upset. We will buck tradition on this show. Give me Bill and Mary for the win. The Cardi Party takes a minor pause for breath. I think Delaware is still legit, though. They're going to win a lot of games this year. They're going to be a factor in December, um, but just not on Saturday. And last, the goal line, Western Carolina at Mercer. We talked about this one at length, but I wanted to get you on the record for a pick. Well, I'm glad you are because I'm also going to make this my bold prediction. Okay. You think I'm, you know where I'm going with this? Uh, clearly. My bold prediction number two, which we'll get into you're not, in just you're not a second. Do, you're not going to do Fred Payton's going to throw a pick again, right? No, I'm yeah. going straight up win, West Carolina. Okay. I think the Catamounts are going to force turnovers. Uh, I'm not going Fred's going to throw a pick. I could do that every week, but that's a weak cop-out, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I do think he throws one this week, but I'm not going to make that my bold prediction. My bold prediction is West Carolina figures out how to get in the end zone. Mercer, who has been flawless, there's going to be a game on the schedule where you're not going to be particularly great. And I think it's going to be this week against Western Carolina and the Catamounts are going to upset the Mercer Bears. I am going with Mercer. I'm I'm tripling down on the Bears here. I think this is a really, really good football team. Um, I think they figure some stuff out. I think Western Carolina ends up being too reckless with the football. Uh, they turn over, they throw a couple picks. And I've said it before, it's like you're so explosive that most of the time it doesn't matter. It matters against Mercer. It matters against Mercer's defense. When you make mistakes, they will make you pay for them, and their offense will turn around and play complimentary football and make you pay for it twice. So give me the Bears here. Um, I'm not going to say it's a lopsided game by any means. If they win it by like 10 with a late touchdown or something, I wouldn't be shocked. Let me say this because two of my three bold predictions. Yeah. Kansas. Got Kansas, my bold prediction. I've got... West Carolina's bowl prediction, I'm going to go Will Huzzy finds the end zone again. He's been paging Will Huzzy, paging Will Huzzy. Huzzy right. will find the end zone. Extra pick, you got to pick a dog. got to pick a big dog. A big dog, uh, Texas A&M plus 24 or something uh, at Alabama. To win straight up. Do I? Yeah. Yeah, because we don't, we don't do better. No, 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 no. It's, it's, you got to uh, pick a winner. I'm going Bethune-Cookman over Tennessee State. Oh, I love that. Yes. I do love that. Tennessee State is down 10 starters right now. Their starting quarterback is questionable. They just lost the division to Lane. Eddie George goes 0-5 to start the year. Be the first time the Tigers are 0-5 since 1991. Other bold prediction. Uh, I'm going with touchdowns for the quarterback and running back position for ETSU's offense this week against VMI. And I don't know what my other one is. Bye, your sword network. Yep. Bye.